Friends and listeners, welcome back to the Woody Allen retrospective for another episode of Woody Allen Adjacent. It's lovely to have you here with us. I'm joined once again by my co-host in this venture, James Daniel Walsh, sir. Welcome back. Always good to be here. How have you been? Pretty good. Pretty good. I liked our last uh, discussion quite a bit. I, I, I was really proud of that one. Since you brought it up, on our last discussion, listeners, we spoke about Woody Allen's most recent released Rifkin's Festival. And James, as you said, people, even the diehard Woody fans, thought it was a fair discussion. Thought we were being critical, but fair. And, you know, that's, that's all we can be, you know. Again, don't love every piece of media, art, film Woody ever, has ever produced. And I just think he was spinning his wheels. And like you said, most definitely... Wallace Shaw was very, 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 very badly miscast for that movie. Well, and for for a movie that didn't give us a lot to discuss, we did, a, I think, pretty good job <laughs> finding yeah. the things that uh, needed to be said. Yeah, and it, it was cathartic for me because I got a lot of stuff. Well, well, I didn't, I didn't really have a bone to pick with a movie, so it's not, it's, it wouldn't be accurate for me to say I got a lot off my chest, but. I did listen to that saying, yeah, I actually left everything on the table and I'm not going to pick apart the movie anymore. And it wasn't, it, you know what? It wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst Woody Allen movie ever made anyway. So, you know, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening, there will be, well, if you're on YouTube, there'll be a link in the top right hand corner to our whole playlist of discussions on Woody Allen. But now we're continuing our discussions on adjacent movies that, you know, pay homage to Woody Allen that ape Woody Allen or we feel for some reason you know has something to do with Woody Allen or I like to Woody Allen and you know we just love having these discussions especially when we each pick these films and I am very glad that James picked a film that was actually going to be one of my choices down the line but James picked it first so James take the reins and please tell us what we're going to be talking about today and then we'll go from there. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the 2014 Chris Rock vehicle called Top 5. He wrote it, he directed it, he stars in it. And uh, Chris Rock is a, a huge Woody Allen fan. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really shows in this movie how much he, he has learned from Woody Allen. An unapologetic Woody Allen fan. In fact, mm -hmm. when Woody Allen had that documentary, American Masters, uh, he came on as, you know, a, a speaking head talking about Woody Allen and, you know, if you talk about the black culture in general, being a Woody Allen fan, it, it's it's hard anyway. But then you're talking about being a black Woody Allen fan, where a lot of people have said, you know, Woody Allen's racist. He doesn't hire black people in his movies. He doesn't make movies for, you know, black people, whatever. Again, even I've had my quibbles about some of those things. But I'm glad that, you know, just like myself, Chris Rock is loud and proud and you like what you like. And I've got a clip. I've got a few clips of... um chris rock talking about woody allen one in particular which is phenomenal i love this clip because you know chris Rock's a comedian so he puts a wicked spin on it and uh we'll, we'll get to that in a moment but i want to start this discussion off with this movie asking james a question 
why did you bring up this movie and what's your experiences with top five what why is this movie on our list from your perspective i saw top five back i didn't see it in the theater i did see it when it came out on dvd and i saw it specifically because it was a lot of people were saying this was a very woody allen kind of a movie hmm. and i don't remember if the american masters documentary had come out yet or not but i remember being really surprised like chris rock made like a woody allen type movie that was 2011 and... the, the masters documentary 2011 and that was 2014 so yeah okay yeah i must have seen the doc because i remember seeing the documentary when it first aired but and in the documentary, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Chris Rock is the only celebrity that's interviewed who was never in a Woody Allen movie. Uh, everybody else was, you know, Owen Wilson or uh, Diane Weist or John Cusack. I didn't think of that. That's a, I guess that's a good point. I never really, I never caught that. Okay, that's cool. Good point. And there was a, a discussion that was on HBO. I think it was called Talking Funny, where it was Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, Louis C.K. and Ricky Gervais. And I remember Chris Rock bringing up Woody Allen several times. So I was I was really interested to watch this. And I have to say, like, right up front, to me, this is the best Woody Allen homage movie. There are movies like Before Sunrise and Before Sunset that are better movies. Mm -hmm. But this is the best movie that Woody Allen influences very strongly felt, but Chris Rock does his own thing with it. It's not like Louis CK with I love you, daddy, where he just was like, I want to be Woody Allen. Yeah. This was Chris Rock saying, I learned from Woody Allen and now I'm going to do my own thing with it. And even though the, you know, and we'll get into it, but the, I think there's a couple of different Woody Allen movies that this, I think takes some ideas from mm -hmm. and uh, but he chris rock still he makes it his own he does and i'm gonna jump in here and say <laughs> i have a bit of a complicated relationship with chris rock because as a comedian i think he's pretty much flawless undoubtedly a legend a, a king a god of comedy but as an actor i've always had a problem with him and it's not like I ever felt like as an actor, he was reaching for the stars. I just felt like whenever he tried to act, he failed. Yeah. And the first time <laughs> I watched this movie, I was disappointed. I really yeah. was because I thought to myself, he brought the movie down. And every movie he's made, like he, never, he made another movie, which I, his ideas are great. The movie ideas he had is great. Even, you know, more recently, even though I haven't seen it, I haven't seen the Saw spin-off Spiral that he's heading, but mm. I heard he's decent in it. He made another movie, I think before this movie, uh, Top 5, called I Think I Love My Wife, which mm. was really good. A really good idea. But again, him as an actor, just I just think he just can't sell it to me. Not mm. like he's terrible, but you just, to me, it's like this guy can't act. And it just, yeah. it always took me out of it. I think one of the, one of my favorite movies that he's in is a Kevin Smith movie called Dogma. Yeah. And yeah, he has some funny moments in it where he's allowed to riff, but when he's supposed to act, you feel it like, oh, you're not an actor. And watching this for the second time, I didn't feel as 
disappointed as I did the first time. And I did feel as the movie went on, I thought his performance was better. But for, I would say, 75% of this movie, it really frustrated me how everybody else was absolutely fine. And I'm not just fine, good. Rosario Dawson is an absolute flawless, amazing actress. She knocked it out of the park. All the other comedian friends she's got here, even the ones that can't act, like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld and stuff, they're the cameo, so I don't really expect much from them. But there's so much scenes, and this is so well written in terms of the character and what the character is trying to do that it, it just annoyed me that, you know, it, it wasn't working because I want this movie to be great. I really do because I really like the movie. And only at the very end where he brings, it gets a little bit, I wouldn't say emotional, but it gets a little bit more serious and dramatic. I do feel like he's coming into it a lot more. But by the time I was about, I was just like, oh, Chris, what, you just not, what when he's in his element doing the comedy stuff, of course, that's flawless. That's perfectly fine. But yeah, that's what always bothered me about this movie. It's just that he brings it down when everything else is on a nine. And he, as an actor, is doing his best. I don't want to just harp on him. He's doing his best. He's trying. And it's possible. But because everyone else, I just feel like this movie could be so much better if he was a better actor. But I don't, again, I, I think for what it is, I think he did a really good job. And I'm going to focus on the movie not just him but i just want to say his performance is the worst part of this movie but again it's not god awful this to me was the first movie like i i haven't seen it i i, I i've heard that because uh, he's in the fourth season of the tv show fargo. fargo yeah which i haven't seen i want to see it so bad <laughs> i know i haven't i i watched those the first two seasons i just never have gotten around to three and four but i've heard yeah. he's excellent that's what i heard that. too that's what and, I heard too. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that he's good in that, the spiral movie. And I think top five was the first movie where I thought you're, you're right. He's everybody else kind of outshines him. Definitely. Except in uh, the scene where he's around his family. Cause I felt like maybe he was riffing a little bit more and he could be a little bit more natural, but I just thought that was him. I just thought that was yeah. him in his natural element as a person I didn't even feel like that was acting. I just felt like he was in his element again. So, you know, you put someone natural in an element and it just works. So, But this was the first movie where I think, I, I think before this, everybody who hired him to be an actor, they thought, oh, I want Chris Rock to do what Chris Rock does instead of saying, I want Chris Rock to play this character. Yeah. And because he wrote it and directed it, I think he was able to be much more natural in it. Yeah. He's playing Chris Rock, but I, I I give him a pass in that he's playing Chris Rock the way that Woody Allen always plays Woody Allen. Yeah. Woody Allen never plays somebody else. He always plays Woody Allen. So if this is sort of a Woody Allen homage, Chris Rock being Chris Rock, I can kind of, I can get behind. And I completely agree with you, by the way. I feel like so many movies we've spoken about, you know, me and Simon in the past, where they ape Woody Allen, even me and you spoke about I Love You Daddy, where I do feel like he took this as his own. You know, this is him doing his take on Woody Allen. And because of that, it feels completely natural. And I really respect that. Like, it's, you know, a lot of black culture, a lot of hip-hop. He doesn't try to... He doesn't, you know, hire some... Well, 
I didn't research this to be fair. He, I don't think he hired a top-notch cinematographer for this, even yeah. though it looks good visually. I think this looks good. I love the scenery. I love the shots. I love where it's taken. But I don't see Woody in this. Like you said, I see him taking lessons from Woody like you. And that is, ex- honestly, when you said that in the beginning, I was like, that's exactly how I felt the second time. The first time, to be honest with you, the first time I watched this back in 2014, the fact that he's, what's his name? Andre Allen, like his name's Allen. I thought, okay, this is so heavy handed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you like him, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but it's cool. It's cool. He's letting everyone know I love him so much that, you know, I respect him so much. I'm taking his name and my main character. That's fine. But I never really, I never drew comparisons to Woody Allen the first time. This time, I can see the structure. I can see the storyline. You know, I can see the inspiration. But it's done with his own, I think it's done with his own heritage, with his own culture. So it really does, this is how you learn from someone. And it doesn't feel like you're just trying to be a ripoff. It doesn't feel like... And in a way, it, in some ways, it doesn't feel like he's trying to pay homage to Woody. He's just like, I like Woody Allen. I want to make, I want, I'm truly inspired by him to make a movie. And I've got this idea because for those of you who don't know, and again, I learned this through research. In 2011, Chris Rock decided that he wanted to, he didn't want to just be the actor, as you said, that directors use as the, com- the, com- the comedic side act. He wanted to learn more about acting. So he did a play. Um, he was in the play. I, I don't know how long he was in the play for, but Stephen Aldi Gurgis, I can't even pronounce it right. The motherfucker with the hat. <laughs> That's the play. It's called The Motherfucker with the Hat. You can watch clips of it on YouTube. And Chris Rock, I got a clip. I'm actually, you might as well play the clip now. Chris Rock talks about him working in that play and how it helped him grow as an actor and as a writer. And yeah, I definitely want to share that right here. So let's let's have a quick listen. I learned a lot from the play. An original play changes every day. It changes and changes and grows and gets cut. It taught me to like stop falling in love with my first drafts. It's a real writer problem. Like I've completed a draft. I was just so in love with my words. I just wanted the actors to say what I wrote. This is Chelsea Brown. She's doing a story on me. No snitching. When you hire an actor, if they're not your boss, by the end of the process, you know what I mean? If it's not their character by the end of the process, you've hired the wrong actor. Like, Rosario made that her part. At one point, the character lived with me, and then, you know, three weeks later, it was like, hello, can I, I speak to Chelsea? You know what I mean? Like, it was hers. My top five is Jay, Nas, Scarface, Rakim, and then I might let Biggie get in there. My sixth man's LL Cool J. <gasps> It's weird that stand-up's the only art form that once you get big at it, you're encouraged not to do it anymore. I, I really loved his thought process there because I wish Chris Rock today made top five because as an actor, I feel like he's grown. And right now, I feel like his comedic, he's kind of leaving that comedic life behind and getting more into acting and he's starting to grow. He's learned from the play. He's learned from these movies. He's having more acting. Play. And I'm like, yes, he's growing. He's learning. And we're watching him on this journey. As an older guy, you know, he's still got time to learn and grow. But I respect him for that. And that's why I respect this movie a lot more now than I did then. Because he's growing. He's using his funds to make a good idea. 
and the idea of the movie being called Top Five and it just a bit of a conversational piece about your top five, you know, favorite artists. But he wraps the whole film around his life, leaving comedy behind and wanting to do be more serious. But at the same time, the movie is balancing the comedic act of him being some stupid actor, being like an animal action hero, while trying to go the other way, doing a dramatic, you know, slave re- rebellion movie. And meanwhile, being dramatic and funny, it's a challenge. I really commend him for taking all that on. And yeah, I have I have a lot of respect for this movie. I really do. I definitely like the movie better. This is only my second time seeing it. I liked it better this time than I did the first time. Same. And this time, it I, I, I did... I had a lot more respect for what I was watching because I think the first time that the, the, I don't want to be funny anymore. I want to be taken seriously. I just kept, I, all I could, all I could see was Stardust Memories. Exactly. But this time I thought, you know, Woody started as a stand up. Mm-hmm. Chris Rock started as a stand up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That this would, this would be a, a, a theme that, he could take and he was making it his own in a very different way than Stardust Memories. Yeah. But you could also see, I think, a little bit of Manhattan in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Them walking through the streets, I was thinking of before sunrise. and But at the same time, you know, uh, having a scene where he just loses it. And I mean, Woody, I can't think of a a single Woody Allen movie, I might be wrong, but a, a movie where his character is so flawed in a, you know, Chris Rock is playing an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I don't remember if it was his last stand-up special. It might've been where he's talking about how shitty he was to his wife and cheated on his wife. Yeah, tambourine. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And... I could see, you know, having seen that stand-up special, I could now see a lot more of him in this movie being critical of himself. And this might have been during the time he was doing all of that. But yeah. he's sort of self-aware and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm really being you know, shitty doing all of this. And he he gives me something which I feel like we don't get enough of anymore, which is flawed characters especially in Rosario Dawson's character. You know, the the popular thing to do now is to have the female character be perfect. You know, if it's an action movie, she's got to be stronger than everybody. She's got to, you know, she can, you could have Charlize Theron weighing 120 pounds, beating up, you know, bad guys three at a time who are all 250 pounds of solid muscle. Uh, If it's a, if it's a drama, then the guy has to be the bad guy and the woman is perfect. This one, she she's a good person, but she does some terrible things. And she's also a recovering alcoholic and uh, she feels like she's failing her daughter. Yeah. That makes her so much more interesting and compelling as a character than a lot of women in movies that we get now. And... I just thought, man, I, I this this just felt so refreshing to watch it again, and to to see a, an honest to god movie, you know, without 
you know, uh, it, it doesn't have to cost $120 million and it doesn't have to uh, have, I mean, it's got big name stars in it, but I'd say maybe Rosario Dawson's the biggest star. Yeah, his co-star. Movie. And yeah. she wasn't even, I mean, back then, I'm trying to think if she had really broken out. No, she was that. like an indie favorite. Like, I really think, you know, she was an indie favorite. But even now, I know that she's associated with Star Wars now and other things and, you know, Sin City and very popular things. But I still never thought she was, even as a person of color actress, she was one of the top tier everybody knows. I still feel like at the time when you picked her, people was kind of like, really her? She's going to be your... Because Taraji P. Henson is in the movie. Gabriel Union is in the movie. And those two, even at that time, were more, in my opinion, more celebrated than Rosario Dawson. And he didn't feel the need to... You know, Rosario Dawson isn't black. Yeah. And... So he and and that is never brought up. Like her culture is brought up in very natural conversations, where you know, or, or when you meet her mother, or you know, she's talking about her grandmother or whatever. It, it's very naturally brought up, but never is it really pointed out. And it's I think it's really cool that Chris Rock. I don't know if maybe he thought at first when he was writing the script. Okay, she's going to be. A black character but he found rosario dawson he was like and you know shows in that clip that you played he was like you need to make this character your own make her you and consequently their their conversations and their romance feels genuine it doesn't feel definitely even though she's definitely a better actress than he is an actor um I, I I bought it. I bought them being attracted to each other. And I bought her character and, and liked her character even through her doing some some messed up things. Woody Allen has said himself many times that he's, as an actor, he doesn't think he's the best actor himself, but he's surrounded himself with great actors and they've taught him how to become better. And if you know, look at Woody's first foray as a I don't know what was Woody's first movie where he actually was more dramatic because I might have to go all the way I guess Hannah and her sisters maybe even though it was half comedic he was kind of played dramatic in the front that's true that is that's I think that's the first one the but front. for his own movie yeah I would say probably um and her sisters and, and i guess crimes and misdemeanors is more a lot more darker a bit even yeah. though that's not his character to be focused on i'm just bringing this up as a parallel to uh, chris rock where i feel like their trajectory as an actor is on the same plane that like they make more movies they're doing more productions and as they're acting more with other actors they're becoming better at their craft you know again he's following woody doing plays doing tv so you know, and I, I, I'm so I never really saw the parallel until now, which is crazy. Which is might be a reason why Chris Rock, you know, respects and uh, admires Woody Allen so much. And before we go on more and more, let me play this clip, which I think is absolutely I love this clip so much. It's about two minutes, but 
I enjoyed every minute of it. So, guys, listen to this clip I got <laughs> of Chris Rock talking about being a Woody Allen fan. Are you a Woody Allen fan? A lot of people, like, you know, they think about this movie. People who saw it, they kind of say, like, it, it reminds them of a Woody Allen movie in some degree. I like Woody. Woody. I'm, I like, I, I feel Woody. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I know that the movie ain't made for me. Right. I know he didn't write, oh, I can't wait till black guys from Brooklyn see this. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never, you never have Woody Allen arguments at the barbershop. <laughs> nah, son, yeah, bro, yeah. Daddy Rose, son. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Hannah and her sisters, yeah. nigga. Yeah. Like that never happens. Anything with bullets, man. <laughs> bullets over Broadway or something. <laughs> I love Woody. I love. I, I'm but big, I mean, big fan. Big fan. See everything. I did have like a screen. One time he gave me like a screen in one of his movies. What was it? Uh, Deconstructing Harry. Somebody from his office called up and said, "Hey, you want to see the new movie? You come down to Woody's screening room and watch the movie." And he said, "Bring your friends." So I definitely had like thirty black people watching That's a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> Like, the Chris, what the fuck is this, dog? The largest know? assemblage of, <laughs> of black people ever to watch a Woody Allen movie. I should have called Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you broke a record and, already, and I man. I went extra ghetto. I called some extra ghetto friends that I knew. <laughs> So I so I had the pleasure of watching them watch a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> you didn't even see the movie yourself, yeah, right? Watching, <laughs> I'm just watching Rand do get into Woody Allen. <laughs> oh, classic. Yeah, there's a lot of he's had a lot of um, interviews uh, championing Woody Allen, even to this day, which I definitely commend him commend him on. But it's really nice to see that parallel. And I do want to catch up with Fargo and um, Spiral to see how far he's come as an actor because he has got talent. And this movie, Top 5 in particular, from a, let's talk about the story and the writing perspective. You know, the, the actor wants to get away from the comedy. Again, Stardust memories through and through. But, you know, he has a another more dramatic moment when he meets his dad in the street. And... It's a comedic moment for what his dad's doing, but to him, you could see, and again, kudos to him. It's affecting him, and I think he did play that well. Wasn't amazing, but I could see the hurt in his eyes when his dad was going raining at him and then made that joke about asking for money, mm -hmm. and then the reveal near the end about who Rosario Dawson was pret pretending to be, that critic against him, and, you know, now watching it all these years later and seeing what was going for i'm like i can see him trying and it's very commendable and it's it's decent especially from a comedian a comedian going to act to actor i can't hate on it too much but again i love chris rock so much i always i always just want the movies to to be better than they even are so again i'm just being a bit of an arsehole but yeah, looking at this movie now, I honestly, I really am proud of it. And I think from a writing perspective, it's a really, a really honest idea. It's not like mind blowing. It's a conversational piece about a man's life. He's having an interaction with this news agent. I mean, sorry, this reporter who's got her own. Well, just, there's layers. There's all these layers to it. All these characters. It's funny. Celebrities. It's really cool, man. It's really, really cool. Well, and that scene with his father... Uh, I, I could see how another 
writer would have handled that. And, you know, he just looks like he's a, maybe, a, you know, an older guy who Chris Rock knew growing up and, you know, somebody that he would see around the neighborhood. And, you know, you're watching how, how hurt he is by what this guy is saying. And then at the end of the scene, Rodario, Rosario Dawson says, who was that? And Chris Rock goes, my dad. And that's it. They don't go into it. They don't elaborate. That's the that's the punch yeah. at the end of the scene. And they let it lie. They don't feel the need to have him go into his childhood. That says all you need to know about his childhood. Just that, you know, that's my dad. And you get so much of who that character is without having to do flashbacks and you know uh, a, a scene where he's sitting there and getting all weepy about you know what his dad was like it just that tells you everything you need to know and that is a really smart bit of writing well executed very well executed there was one scene again i i, I wish it was a more powerful scene i do think he bundled it a little bit it's where near the end of the film Chris Rock has a bit of a, a meltdown in um in a, in a in a store, and his fiance calls him, and she lashes out at him, and this is I was like I understand what they were going for because she what she says is I don't have anything I can't act I can't sing I can't make people laugh this is all I have this is all I got, and I just felt that was just a little bit too heavy handed for that character because that was the moment where that character showed a bit more depth because everything she said was true but i just felt it was that was a little bit too obvious it didn't seem after actually say it to that degree but as an act actress gabriel union was perfectly fine and that i just again that was probably one of the writing parts i thought i think you could have written that a different way and it would have been even more clever but, you know, I don't know. Did you buy that scene when she said that to him? I bought it because of her performance. And I thought it was a, it was a little bit of a cheap shot at reality stars, but not untrue. Yeah. You know, whether she was supposed to be like a Kim Kardashian or she was supposed to be like a, one of the real housewives or something. They don't do anything else that they don't. They don't sing. They don't act. They don't. Uh, they're not funny. They're just reality stars. But it was very on the nose. You could look at it maybe as, you know, this is a really extreme situation that she's in. I felt like the the movie could have very easily made her a villain. Yeah, and which they were make they were making her not a villain per se, but just a, a selfish bitch. A little bit, but. At, I, I think that's why that scene was necessary to have her say, this is all I've got. Like, I don't, and, and I think my problem, that... I'm going to just say, I think my problem with that scene is I don't think it worked over the phone. If she was in front of him mm. and she had that melt, I think I would have brought her a lot more. I don't know. And cause another guy was there when she was saying it as well, her assistant as well. That I didn't like. So I was kind of like, you really gonna, she really, Degregated herself over the phone to her fiance, and it was a truth. I just I didn't believe that would happen over the phone. If they were 
having a private conversation and they fight because I actually I I didn't realise it I didn't even realise this they didn't have that much scenes together I think they had like two scenes together in the whole film so I think that might have been one of the scenes they could have had but you know I I don't want to nitpick about I'm not a fucking director I'm acting like oh this is what you should have done Chris (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying I just felt like it could have you know it's just an opinion it's just an opinion Uh, well I felt like what didn't work in that scene was her whether it was her handler or her manager or whoever taking the phone and then threatening Chris Rock because Uh, then you've got you could have had it just be Chris Rock feels guilty like I've hurt this person and this person was there for me and she did help me get clean and I've really hurt her and instead it becomes if you don't do this we're going to destroy you but you know what I did like that scene because I actually felt that did drive home the point is that they all think he's a prop like really when she was like I I could have had anyone she names all the guys she could have had and I had you and it, it just brings him to feel like he's worthless like he doesn't really mean anything he's they're just using him and then when he came on to further cement the point this is what you're going to do you're going to do this that this that this we're going to spin this and if not you're fucked and I was just like wow that everyone thinks this guy is an absolute waste of space I almost wish, though, that she had said it. Like, maybe she has the moment of vulnerability and yeah. then she, you know, she shakes it off and she she says, nope, this is what's important to me and if you don't do this for me, I'm going to destroy you. Well, that would have been fine as well. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It That, that part, uh, I felt like it just, it didn't work for me after yeah. her her being so vulnerable that's a character that you could easily feel nothing about. You could easily just be like, Oh, I can't wait for this bitch to get her come up and sit the end. And instead Chris Rock is like, no, she's a person. And she's, you know, he even says to her about the, the, the fame and the spotlight and everything. She says, you're an addict. You know, he recognized that addict behavior that he has. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you could have made a very, very straightforward, like, I mean, they have, I think another thing that didn't quite work for me, though it was funny, was Rosario Dawson's boyfriend. Uh, yeah it's it's <laughs> that funny. was just so that was just so dumb but yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah it it made me laugh but at the same time it it did feel a little bit like you could have easily maybe had her already broken up with him yeah the fact that there's two scenes uh, a scene where she's tempted to drink and then a scene where he's tempted to drink by the time Chris Rock was doing it, I felt like, uh, didn't we just have this scene? I See, that's that's a good pickup because I agree. I just felt like in the same night, I just, you know, and after what he just did with her, and then when you weigh up the two reasons for them both doing it, I'm not, mm. again, I, I it's, uh, it's hard for me to even judge because these are alcoholics anyway and they could slip, but because they had been sober for so long, her one, I felt like she was perusing. I, I never thought, even though she was doing it, you know, I just, for some reason, I just felt like her walking in that store was enough. Even if Chris Rock wasn't there, I don't know if she would have actually done it. I didn't believe that that guy was her tipping point. Now, Ooh. Chris Rock, he is just, to me, he's kind of weak. So in the movie, I was like, 
I didn't like it because they were kind of back to back, as you said. But then when he went in the store and just did it and then had the meltdown, I was kind of like, yeah, this is more comedic because I don't really believe this. It doesn't, in the timeline, it just, it's a bit much. But, you know, I, it's just a point. It's just to, to drive to the next scene and to, you know, get him in jail, which is fine, which is if fine. You'd, if you'd taken out her scene of going in and being tempted, yeah. his scene would have probably had more of a dramatic punch to it. Yeah, I agree. But, but by the time you get to his scene, you've already been through this. Yeah. And he, you, you never see him, when, when she goes into the liquor store, it's not like he's having to pull himself back as well. He's he's not tempted when he's in the liquor store. He's just like, come on, let's get out of here, you know. Which maybe if there had been a little bit more of, like, he was having to pull himself back as he was pulling her back, uh, it might have worked better. But yeah, the, there just a, was a redundancy to that that... I didn't like, and I did feel like one. It, it it felt like it came out of nowhere when he loses it. It just felt a little bit. It was forced. It was hard. Yeah. Forced. He's going around the liquor store or going around the grocery store, and he's eating food, and he he grabs a beer and he drinks it. I felt like I don't know. You could have had instead of him throwing the bottles at the the uh, Hammy the Bear display. It could have just as easily been like he gets caught, like stealing the beer, and that's when the cops show up. Him having the complete meltdown. It felt like he was playing into what would look good on a reality show. Yeah, and uh, I didn't, I didn't really buy that. You yeah, know, he had to get into jail, but it, I just didn't like the way that they went about it. And on top of that, because he spoke to Rosario about a sequence in his life where something else crazy happened. I felt like that could have been on TMZ. That could have been the moment, that whole scene with Cedric the Entertainer and the hookers and that, that scene, I felt like that would have been the TMZ moment, even though this would be as well, but I don't know. I don't want to nitpick these things too much because, mm -hmm. you know, some of it is just about having a funny script. And to that point, of course, this movie is funny. This movie is hella funny. And the most... To me, and even though it's the easy part to say this, the most natural part is right at the end of the night after all this shit's happened, where Rosario Dawson takes him to the cellar, the famous comedy club, and he goes on stage and then he, he rejuvenates him and he has his little, you know, five-minute stand-up. And I believed him, you know, that rejuvenated him. That was a cool scene. It's right at the end of the movie. I thought that was, I believed that movie. I believed that because I felt like, some of this was really coming from a true place, you know? And I really like that scene. I think it made a lot of sense that it was missing. There was, Rosario showed him that you said you needed drugs. Well, well, that reveal when he said that to her and actually, actually last thing I want to, I want to say he did very well. This was the scene I thought good acting when he found her phone and he found out the twist of her, a side character and he addressed her. It would have been so easy for him to just effing blind and curse her out and say all these horrible things he thinks about her, you know, you know, teenage mom, all this crazy, he, he, and you know, but he didn't. He didn't. He played it very, very cool and walked away. And then he told her the truth, mm -hmm. which was a very strict, which I thought was so genuine because you, you, you were just waiting for him to attack her and lash out. But all he did 
was tell her the truth that she was dying for the whole movie why he doesn't do funny movies anymore and i thought that was such a from a ryan perspective that was such a great time to be honest well done to me that won me over i really thought from a writing perspective you are a very good writer you, this is a very good place to reveal this part of yourself when it's very well, unexpected there are two things he does really well in that scene the first is when he realizes that she's the one who had written all those scathing articles about him and reviews about him you're right he could have cursed her out he could have done all this but the last line he says to her before he walks out is my mom read that and it, it, it just it shows that it makes it about him if he'd started cursing her out then you could turn around oh what a jerk he is and yeah. he's talking about her being a single mom and everything and instead it's just like this hurt me what you did yeah. this i'm a i'm a person i'm i'm not just a celebrity that you can shit on and it doesn't affect me at all yeah but the thing that he does that you know and again you compare this to stardust memories and the i don't want to be funny anymore thing the thing he does better than woody did woody it was this existential crisis yeah i don't want to be funny because the universe is tearing apart none of this is going to matter and uh there are children starving in other countries and there's atrocities and don't forget the whole thing was a fever dream (laughs) the whole thing was a fever dream but with chris rockets i can't be funny sober yeah and it was more personal with woody it was more self-indulgent it was this person who was making all of the problems of the universe about himself yeah and with chris rock in, in this movie he's you know um i don't know how to do this without being drunk or high and it it made it much more personal and much more relatable than what it was in stardust memories now i know i like stardust memories much more than you do Mm -hmm. but uh and i i like the whole you know i mean that is woody's thing woody's thing he was you know he's never an alcoholic he was never into drugs you don't get the feeling like he's working out in a lot of his movies all of this personal angst or anything he's he's much more intellectual he's thinking about the universe he's thinking about all these things and that's great in that way but chris rock does him i think one better in this and and makes it much more like this is a character he's playing instead of a concept the woody allen personality is a concept it's not really a character yeah and you know in in most of the movies and maybe like hannah and her sisters or husbands and wives he manages to take that persona and and make a character out of it most of the time it's just a collection of kicks and phobias and stuff that he's he's being funny with and that's that's great chris rock is playing a character yeah and he is uh i i i commend him for that like i said he took the woody allen thing and he didn't do what louis ck did and and just make a, a i'm i made a woody allen movie chris rock said i'm gonna make a chris rock movie and yeah. part of what makes a Chris, part of what makes him up is the things that have influenced him. And yes, yes, know, 
Woody Allen influenced him, so Woody Allen made it into the into the movie. Yeah. Honestly, that is so well said. And the only thing, in my opinion, and I'm being very harsh and I understand that, is I just think his acting mm-hmm. wasn't up to par. I think if he did this movie again or a different version of it, I would love to see it. I think he's a very, not only a great comedian, I think he's a great writer. I think he's got the capacity to be a very, very good, dare I say, great actor, even at, I mean, age doesn't really matter, but I'll be surprised. But, you know, he's shown to have the acting bug. He wants to do it more. He's interested in being in front and behind the camera. So it's really cool. I respect him. You know, again, let's just say written and directed by Chris Rock, very good. This is a very good, I don't know if this is his first movie. I didn't read, I, I think this is his first written and directed movie. Very good. Ooh. I gotta say, very good for a first run. Very, very, very good. And it's damn funny. I mean, you could take in apart, you know, mine and your analysis and compare it to Woody Allen. As a comedy, it's great. It's a great comedic movie on its own. It's very entertaining as a light drama and a look back on someone's life and retrospective of a, a character, a director. You know, there's something there. Um, so when you mix the two together, it's pretty good. And every single actor that he's got here, or comedian, Kevin Hart's here, such a entertainer, J.B. Smooth, Seinfeld, Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, the, uh, let me tell you something, just as a funny aside, I was watching this movie on my phone and I just said, I want to do something so out of context with my girlfriend. I showed her the scene where Whoopi Goldberg, Jerry Seinfeld and Adam Sarna were sitting in the club, in a strip club with all these, all these strippers just dancing around them. And I just, I just said, look at this. No Mm. context. I just said, look at this. What do you think? And then all she said is, what the fuck is Whoopi Goldberg doing there? Mm Mm-hmm. What is Jerry Seinfeld doing in a strip club with Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg? And what is this? What are you watching? What movie is this? And I just couldn't stop laughing. You know, and Jerry, I got to give all hats. You know, Jerry's always had this long-standing thing about, you know, he doesn't think, um, he's always against being lewd and swearing and stuff like that. He just thinks it doesn't, in his mind, he's always said this for years. You don't need to be lewd. You don't need to swear to be funny. There's clever ways of doing it. But to see him in these situations is funny. I thought it was it was cool. If he saved it, it, you know, it's, it was so nice to see him in this crazy situation, even for five minutes, uh-huh. you know, and and also Whoopi Goldberg and for them to speak to him and just have the little two pieces. It was great. You know, they were, it, it's obviously out of respect for Chris Rock as a, a world-class comedian that they're all there paying tribute and just throwing their two pieces. But it's beautiful, man. And, multiple levels this movie is a crowd pleaser this is a crowd pleaser movie but also as a woody allen fan we can talk about it and compare it so this movie works on so many levels and yeah hats off to chris rock rotten tomatoes this is a winner over it's a certified fresh uh same thing on imdb this movie was loved people mm. you know interviews are good for it this movie didn't tarnish him at all so what he didn't lose anything from this movie at all he did really well you know, um, the movie I said before, I think I love my wife. That I don't know if he maybe that was his first written directed movie. That was with Kerry Washington. I like the idea of a family man. I don't know if you've have you seen that movie by the way. I think no, I love my wife. I've heard terrible things about it. So yeah, it's annoying. Like... It's and especially at the end, he just pulls a curveball. It's about a married man who's just enticed 
by someone you know maybe that uh, maybe i'm wrong maybe he made that movie after so i can't remember but that movie was a more of a serious movie. There's hardly any comedy. He's not a comedian. He's a family man in that movie. And from a writing perspective, I didn't like what it was going for there. And I think this might have been his second movie where he's the main character where he's had soul control. But yeah, this is this is a really good movie. Yeah, and uh, you know, just to go back for a minute to the, what you were saying, that that scene. First of all, Jerry Seinfeld was so good in that movie. In in that scene, I forgot Adam Sandler and Whoopi Goldberg were there. All I remembered <laughs> all these years in between seeing them was I remember Jerry Seinfeld being there. But it, it's the only time, maybe in the last 10, 15, maybe even twenty years, that Adam Sandler made me laugh because uh, he's just done. <laughs> nothing but terrible awful movies for so long but yeah uh he genuinely made me laugh in that in that uh scene and they're all you know i mean they're all friends in real life and you can tell that yeah that's where i i i think that's where this movie really kind of that it, there's almost he's gotten better chemistry almost with his family in that one scene yeah uh with with Adam Sandler and Whoopi Goldberg and Jerry Seinfeld in that one scene, almost better than what he has with Rosario Dawson, which you can kind of chalk up to they'd only met that day. Yeah. Whereas these are people he's known for years, but um, those scenes are just so funny. You know, I I remember just thinking, get to the strip club scene, get to the strip club scene. Yeah. Uh, Cause it, I mean, the, you know, when Jerry Seinfeld's accusing the stripper of stealing his wallet, she's like, I'm naked. Where would I put it? Do I really yeah, have, I have to, to say, say it? Yeah. <laughs> it, and I, it made me forget, you know, it, it's hard to remember this now, but uh, Seinfeld was, which is another thing, very Woody Allen inspired, yeah. but uh, that There's show Woody, was uh, Woody of, Allen's highlighted it. I've, I just rewatched Seinfeld, by the way, with my girlfriend a couple months ago. There's a whole episode where they're talking about going to, going to see Woody Allen films in mm-hmm. Seinfeld. So they love Woody Allen in Seinfeld. Don't get that twisted. <laughs> and that show was thought of as edgy at the time. Yeah, it's definitely. It's now thought of as, you know, like a, a old kind of, like you said, well, Jerry Seinfeld's very clean and Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld made a set. There was, there were several episodes that people wanted banned. Oh yeah, the sex show. episode. The best. So, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I could. And, we can go on about that as well. Yeah, <laughs> but they they play off of his kind of squeaky clean image, and him yeah. just making it rain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, is is really really funny. And yeah, I I I saw you know looking at the Wikipedia page when I was getting ready to, to for us to sit down and talk. They are talking about a sequel. Good. Uh, and uh, Good. which I would. I would think would be maybe him having that influence of uh, uh, before sunrise. Maybe he's like, oh, I'm going to make my before sunset now. Yeah, top and, 10. Why not? Yeah, top 10. And the the things that just, I kept kept popping up, like I just even the title and them ranking their favorite top five artists. I was thinking of the movie High Fidelity with John Cusack, which is also, I would say, somewhat Woody Allen inspired and, when you look at this movie and you kind of look at so many people, oh, I hate Woody Allen. I hate Woody Allen. Well, do you like Chris Rock? Do you like Seinfeld? Do you like romantic comedies in general? Because 
all of these things have so much of Woody's fingerprints on them that people don't even see. They don't, I don't think people really get what a pioneer he was and the influence that he had across races. Like Chris Rock was saying, these movies were not made for me. And I mean, try, I'm, I'm trying to think the only character I can think of a prominent black character in a Woody Allen movie was uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor in um, Melinda, Melinda, Melinda and Melinda. That's yeah. the only one I can think of. Yeah, it's it's the, it's the only one. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah, and um, but yet Chris Rock found something about those movies that he could relate to. Yeah, um, it reminded me too of like in the in the. Uh, Woody Allen documentary that they aired of American Masters, Martin Scorsese talking about, I love his movies. They feel like they're from a different planet yeah. to what my experiences of New York were, but uh, I find things in them that I can relate to. I, I, I'm I, not a New Yorker. I didn't grow up a Jew. You know, I, I'm not from a, a, I didn't have like a lot of intellectuals as friends and family and stuff, but I watch Woody Allen movies and there's something that I find that I relate to. And I almost wish that they had maybe swapped out Whoopi Goldberg for Woody Allen. Like how great would it have been to have had Woody at the strip club? That would have been funny. <laughs> and and to, I mean, you, you could have gotten away with some jokes then that you couldn't get away with now of like, yeah, maybe that, you know, that should have happened. Now, why are you saying that? That, that should have <laughs> happened. That should have happened. You could have had some real jokes about, like, you know, make sure you're not with a psycho because it, it can go really bad. Um, yeah, that, that that's never going to happen now. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I do, I do hold out some hope that Chris Rock would will get to be in a Woody Allen movie someday. I I, I mm-hmm. hope that he would take the opportunity if it came, and just not be worried about people being mad at him. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I would, yeah, I, I I don't know if I wish the hate upon him. That's the thing. Like, if he wants to take that burden, then, you know, I respect him for it. But I'm at the moment with Chris Rock as an actor trying to rise and stuff like that, I just think it would hurt his career. More. And I know that's selfish. And But, you know, if he loves Woody, he doesn't give a shit. And, he, you know, he, he will do what he wants. So let's hope so. But again the way woody's woody's writing I, I, if they were i just wish woody would write something that would compel people to jump on board and that's what i'm hoping Woody's going to do next yeah uh, and uh, you know we've said it i've said it many times on uh the show when we talk about like you know, we talk about marriage story and i said it's a shame that adam driver is never going to get to work with woody allen or that uh bill Hader is never going to get to work with woody allen because it's become just in your career if you do it and that you know i, I think um you know a lot of the cast in in rifkin's festival they're like yeah our careers aren't going so great anyway so i don't think wallace shaw was worried about getting canceled huh. uh about who who's that <laughs> <laughs> who <laughs> but it would really be great to see chris rock Get to put his, well, as as they might say in, in uh, top five, put his stank on uh, on a Woody Allen script. <laughs> uh, well said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I really don't have much more to say. What a great pick, James. 
honestly, I'm so glad I watched it again because it was a lot of fun. It was really laid back. And yeah, I think this movie definitely has rewatchability. And to be honest with you, that's one of the highest praise I can ever give a movie. A movie that I'm actually looking forward to watching again. Because I do see myself rewatching this again. But as you said, if he does a sequel, even better. I think that with everything that's going on with the pandemic and everything in his career and things that have happened, I think he could write a terrific script. I think people would run out to see it. I think it could be, you know, the stars of, ah, it would be great. It would be absolutely great. So, you know, I will keep my eyes open for that. And yeah, as I said before, very well received movie. Very well received. Fresh, fresh, fresh. People love it. People love it. Uh, and I need to go and watch Fargo season four. I watched season mm. three. Fargo's phenomenal. I'm I'm so happy to see that. And as for the Saw uh, spiral, I heard that it was an interesting experiment. Mm. So I don't know what made. Was you in the mood to see that? Did you? Was there a reason you didn't watch it, or you just? I'm not, not a really... huge, not a huge Saw fan, right? So it it's it's uh, well, it also came out during the pandemic. I, I don't. I think they also put it on video on demand. They did, but um, yeah, it's more of a oh, it's on Netflix and I can watch it for free. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a very. I think it's a very interesting move of him to like. I want to mm-hmm. take over this franchise and take it a different direction. I mean, he's making some very interesting choices. That's why I would, like I said, I would hope that maybe if that chance came to work with Woody, he would do it because you like. When, I remember when it, it was like Chris Rock's going to be the new driving force behind the Saw franchise. And I was like, what? Yeah. Why? And it's just because he likes Saw, I guess. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I want to I make a Saw movie. If if nothing else, you can, I think back in the day when he first really started to break into movies, he was making, you could, you could see his agent saying, do this now. Now you got to do an action movie. Now you got to, yeah. you know, uh, you got to play a movie. I think there was a movie where he was an angel or something uh oh yeah i forgot i remember that yeah one where he became president and it it felt like he was just doing what he was told to do and now he's doing what he wants to do yeah exactly he was doing the martin lawrence thing like martin lawrence would Mm -hmm. just do these movies like what was it black knight and yeah big mom it's just the typical black guy just silly movies but you know i think i think he was in the lethal weapons for a while wasn't he i think that was one of his first bigger yeah and then he did a movie called bad company where it was a like a buddy cop movie with him and anthony hopkins and i remember just watching it thinking this is one of the worst movies i've ever seen uh and it really turned me like for there was a while where if if chris rock was in the movie i was like yeah you're right chris rock as far as stand-up comedians Top 10 best of all time, maybe top five best of all time stand-up mm-hmm. comedians. As an actor, uh, he he was just, he's cringe-inducing in those early roles. Yeah. Like a lot of other comedians, he's no, he's no different. But as you said, now he's, you know, he's becoming a little bit more interesting, doing some interesting stuff. And, you know, uh yeah uh last thing i'll say is i i actually saw him uh live do um in doing stand-up he did he did that tambourine well he came to london to do his comedy show and then after that i was i was 
all the tickets were so hard to get. I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I got the tickets. Christmas. I was boasting about it for like a whole six months. Then he released it on Netflix as Tambourine. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I saw a once in a lifetime Chris Rock series, uh, Chris Rock comedy show. Then he just put it on DVD. I'm like, fuck. And then Ooh. every single joke he did, I saw it. And I know it's a, that I have friends that are comedians, stand up comedians. And they just told me, yeah, these are sets, man. We, you know, we craft. Dave Chappelle spoken about it. So I was a little bit irritated. Like, I just paid to watch a DVD. I paid a hundred pounds to watch yeah. something that people watching for nothing on Netflix now. But you know, funny as hell. Not taking anything away from him. Uh, before we prattle on any more, uh, yeah, there's nothing else I want to say or throw in there. Have you got anything else before we do a little sign off? Uh, only thing I can think of is, uh, you know, what a. What a terrible, terrible life Chris Rock had in that movie that he had to choose between Gabriel Union and Rosario Dawson. You're I, telling I me. feel so bad for him. You're telling me. You're telling me. And Gabriel Union is one of those women that just don't age. She looks yeah. just amazing. And Rosario Dawson has a, has a flawless, timeless beauty as well. And speaking about Rosario Dawson, I'm so glad for her career. She's been a hardworking Hollywood actor for decades and you know marvel she was she had a good character in marvel stuff mm. uh, now she's star wars i mean she's just a winner man i hope she continues to also do kind of interesting smaller things and not get sucked into the disney machine like so many actors have yeah yeah so do i so do i but yeah she's winning so yeah let's wrap it up so james go ask your question so for our next discussion I got two movies for to choose from. To choose from, I don't know which one to do first. I might put two letters in front of you, A and B, and then I'm not going to tell you what they are. Well, I'm going to let you pick, and then I'll tell you what it is. So, A or B? I'm going to go with B. So, our next movie for discussion, guys, is going to be same time next year. Have you heard of that movie, oh, James? Alan, Alan Alda. Correct. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember that. I've seen that movie. Awesome. Well, get ready to rewatch it because we're going to talk about it. It's a movie they've been wanting to remake for a while. Again, Alan Alda's uh, Woody Allen alumni. But yes, that's going to be... Uh, you picked that one because there was another movie mm-hmm. as well. Do you want me to tell you what the other movie was? Sure. The other movie was a movie called The One I Love for 2014. I don't know that one. Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass. Duplass? Duplass? I might say that wrong. I might say it wrong, but yeah. A movie uh, you haven't seen. Hmm, interesting. I haven't seen that one. I don't even I, I I might recognize it if I saw like a poster or something, but yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't In the poster they're underwater. They're kind of floating above the water. Really cool movie. We'll talk about that as well. But yeah, the next movie will be same time next year, which they want to remake. So we will be talking about that on the next recording. So guys, if you want to watch that movie so we can all talk about it and when you listen to us talk about all the nitty gritty parts, then you'll, you know, you'll have a little bit more of a foundation to enjoy our conversation. James, if the people want to reach you, where can they reach you, sir? Uh, They can always find me at manic-expression.com and my books are all available on Amazon. They are. You can find us on Twitter at Planet Tyro. I'll put a link to James' books in the podcast description like I always do. 
guys please consider if you love our conversations like or even hate them well if you hate them you can just walk away but if you love them why don't you go on itunes and leave us a review it really helps us we appreciate you listening we really thank you for your support and until next time we'll see you on the next recording <laughs>